today, a preview of the Fox 59 mayoral debate. You'll see our interviews with the candidates, Mayor Joe Hogsett, State Senator Jim Merritt, and Libertarian Doug McNaughton as the campaign heats up. Plus, fact-checking the commercials and what voters are telling us about the issues that matter most. All that, plus the Curtis Hill hearings and the latest on the impeachment inquiry. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. New controversy in the race for mayor ahead of tomorrow night's debate. We are here on the debate stage in Wayne Township where we're teaming up with the West Side Chamber of Commerce for the Indianapolis mayoral debate. I'm Dan Spieler. I'll be your moderator. Today we are previewing that debate and also looking back at last week's debate held by the African-American Coalition of Indianapolis. Our Brett Cast was there. It's obvious we have a problem in Indianapolis, almost an epidemic of murder. It's an issue both candidates want to address. Uh, homicides have gone up in Indianapolis, unfortunately, every year since 2012. And it's an issue those in attendance want solved. One of the biggest issues, and I didn't realize this was happening, is crime in our community, and especially the shooting with our young people. According to IMPD numbers, more than 70% of Indianapolis homicide victims in 2018 were African American. And those in attendance say something needs to change. You segregate communities, put them in one area, they fight for resources. Um, you solve the resource issue by giving them opportunities, giving them jobs. Gun control. And gun control is a big issue. And Indiana's a mess when it comes to gun control. Both Mayor Hogsett and Senator Merritt say they have solutions to this issue. Merritt says it's time to change leadership at IMPD. And Hogsett says increasing officer pay and increasing the number of officers will make a difference, saying he believes this year we'll see a decrease in homicides. We also uh, need top leadership at IMPD. I'll have a public safety director who also is a deputy mayor, along with Bill Benjamin being the chief of police. At the end of this year, we'll have 150 net uh, increase in IMPD officers, which allow us to go return to a community-based, beat-oriented policing system. As important as the voices are on stage, the voices in the community are what matters come election time. And these voters in the crowd hope that their voices are heard. So you can't solve all the issues in our community. Some of those are going to have to be solved by the community. Here in Indianapolis, this community has not been focused on in this way. So I think this is historic in one, one sense, but it needs to, be, needs to be more and deeper. All right, meantime, Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett now responding to a series of accusations from his opponent. The mayor denying claims made in this new website where Republican mayoral candidate and state senator Jim Merritt accuses Hogsett of failing to pay child support for one of his children. The website sponsored by Merit for India claims when Mayor Hogsett was a U.S. attorney, he had his wages garnished for failure to pay child support. We have a statement from Hogsett's campaign calling the website's claims false and harmful. They say, quote, rather than spend these last two weeks engaging in substantive debate, it's clear that Merritt has chosen to embrace the worst of partisan politics. Now, Fox 59 is fact-checking some of Merritt's claims. Court records we found show no evidence that Hogs had ever missed a payment. The documents show he and his ex-wife agreed to modify their payment plans in 2011 under this income and withholding order. The funds go from, from an employer to a third-party agency to the recipient. The method, according to one attorney we spoke with, is standard practice. A family law attorney who is not involved in these proceedings tells us 95% of child support is paid this way. 
in Indiana and that nothing in the documents to him indicates that Hogsett didn't pay child support. And a garnishment would be if there was something wrong. I mean, there's people don't pay their child support occasion, but generally what will happen then it will be uh, a petition for contempt. And I didn't see any of that in the, in the filings. Now, before this news broke this week, we spoke one-on-one -on -one with Jim Merritt about his candidacy, talking with all the candidates this week about some of the big issues in Indianapolis, including crime and public safety. Are you embracing the, the underdog role here? The mayor has more money in the bank. He has a lead in the polls that we've seen. How do you feel about this race as we enter the final stretch? I feel great. I feel momentum. It's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful city, and I'm looking forward to being the mayor. And uh, I really cherish the underdog status. You have talked a lot about crime recently. Obviously, we're standing here on Monument Circle, not far from uh, an incident recently involving a shooting downtown. You've also called for a new police chief, if elected mayor. Do you not have confidence in Chief Roach and IMPD as the situation stands today? No, I don't. I don't. I don't have confidence in the mayor, who's the public safety director. My confidence in the mayor, my confidence in Roach is gone. The mayor has faced a lot of questions on that issue of crime, but he points to the fact that we are on pace for a decrease in the number of homicides in the city this year. And he also had this to say about your plan to name a new police chief. I've never heard uh, somebody making uh, an announcement of that nature before the actual election is uh, conducted. But look, Ed, my reaction is uh, that uh, I have enjoyed a very, very good working relationship with the police chief, Brian Roach. I'm proud of what Brian and IMPD have accomplished. I'm deeply satisfied that the numbers of uh, overall violent crime and particularly homicides seem to be going down. What's your response to that? Well, three record years of, of murder, of mur the murder rate going up and up and up. That's never happened before. Uh, it, also, we've never had the, uh, the idea that the mayor is in charge of public safety. We've always had a public safety director. What the mayor is doing now is not working. How do you respond to those to say the Bill Benjamin move is a political move. He got 25,000 votes in the Democratic primary for sheriff. Is that part of the calculus, maybe trying to bring some of those voters on board? Well, if he didn't have an 81% clear rate, of which IMPD right now is 44%, it, <laughs> right now, if you commit murder in Indianapolis, 60% uh, of the time, you're going to get away with it. And if you wake up one morning and uh, you hear about murders, 75% chance is an African-American has been murdered. We have a problem in Indianapolis. I've heard for many, many years over many mayors that we need to hire more police officers, and we have. But violent crime hasn't went down, so maybe we need a different solution. One of the things that is different, of course, about libertarians is that we like to limit government. I would like to say a government small enough to fit inside the Constitution. But more than that, I like, because I live in the city, I love the city, and I'm not a professional politician by any means, but I see a lot of things in my travels, because my job takes me around the world, that I think we can do better than we have. I think infrastructure is a big, big issue for people. They want solid streets, and we haven't had that for, for most of the time that the mayor has been in office. The legislature did send funding, of which, which they put in a, uh, a rainy day fund, and we have suffered with potholes pothole mania in all the last three, 16, 17, 18, and 19 uh, winners. And so I'm hearing a lot about having a solid 
infrastructure plan, of which I do. You mentioned the legislature and potholes. The mayor on that topic was somewhat critical of your service in the General Assembly. Well, he's been in the General Assembly for 30 years, uh, and I'm sure he does enjoy good relationships. I guess my question would be, uh, if um, he's been in the General Assembly that long, and if he is proposing going to the General Assembly, if he's elected mayor, um, to try to get things uh, currently uh, happening for Indianapolis that are not, I think the question has to be asked, what's he been doing for 30 years? How do you respond to that? Well, it's interesting. He's been mayor four years now, and I've never seen him in the State House. When, when Greg Ballard and Bart Peterson and Goldsmith all came to the State House to see me and the rest of the Indianapolis delegation, the mayor has been absent. How do you feel about this race as we enter the final stretch? Well, I feel pretty good. I've gotten some media attention. Um, I've been ignored and got some media attention for that. But, you know, I've talked to a lot of people, I've met a lot of folks, and I've made a lot of converts. And I think that my message is resonating with a lot of people in the city. What are you hoping to show voters when you go up against your opponents uh, on the debate stage on Fox 59 here on Monday night? Well, it's, it'll be good to, good to uh, mix and match with them. And, and posing to the mayor uh, why he thinks that we don't have a crime problem in Indianapolis. Well, I'm hoping to show him there's a third opinion. There's a lot of things that Mayor Hogsett and Senator Merritt say that sound very similar to each other, and they're similar solutions. And some of those solutions perhaps need a little bit tweaking. For instance, the homeless solution, the crime solution, my solutions are very unique to my campaign, and I don't see either of those two candidates talking about the solutions the same way that I do. Our interview there with Libertarian candidate Doug McNaughton. Again, you can watch the debate on Fox 59 tomorrow night, 7 p.m. We're going to have much more coming up this morning on the race for mayor here in Indianapolis. The other big story this week in Indiana politics, the Curtis Hill hearings. The attorney general potentially facing the loss of his law license. Our Russ McQuaid was at that hearing at the Statehouse this week. Curtis Hill's license to practice law in the state of Indiana could be on the line now that a hearing has been concluded over whether or not he violated the rules of Indiana attorneys when he allegedly groped four women inside of a downtown Indianapolis bar in the late winter of 2018. Hill's attorneys called him to testify about the attorney general's version of what happened early in the morning of March 15, 2018 at AJ's Lounge just south of downtown at a party to celebrate the end of the legislative session. State Representative Mara Candelaria Reardon said Hill slid his hand all the way down her bare back at the party and hooked his thumb into the waist of her backless dress. Hill said he was merely steadying himself during a conversation and when he realized Reardon's dress didn't have any back, he moved his hand away. State House staffer Nikki Da Silva said she was stunned when Hill approached her at the bar and suggested she, quote, you have to show a little knee, you have to show some skin to get a drink. Hill said he said it, but he was directing the comment at State Senator Greg Taylor, who was tending bar that night. Hill also denied claims by staffers Samantha Lozano and Gabrielle Brock that he touched them inappropriately. Hill admitted he was drinking that night, but, quote, I'm a fun guy and he was not impaired and didn't hear anyone complain about his behavior. Hearing Officer Myra Selby's decision on whether or not any rules were violated and any penalties should be assessed could still be weeks away and then subject to the Indiana Supreme Court's final decision. At the Indiana State House, Russ McQuaid, Fox 59 News.
All right, Russ, thanks. Up next, the latest on the impeachment inquiry, what Indiana lawmakers are saying about this week's headlines. And much more coverage on the race for mayor in Indianapolis, what a new poll is saying about the race. And we'll talk with our panel after this. Let's look at the latest polling numbers now in the race for mayor. Mayor Joe Hogsett still with a significant lead, 57-23 here over Jim Merritt in the latest polling from IndyPolitics.org. Let's bring in our panel right now. I'm joined by conservative commentator Abdul Hakeem Shabazz from IndyPolitics.org and Jennifer Wagner, the former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. We're here as we set up for the debate on the west side tomorrow night. Abdul, tell us about these polling numbers, not only that top line, a large lead for Mayor Hogsett. What else do you see in these polling numbers that gives you uh, something to think about ahead of Election Day? Uh, a couple of things. We first we did our first poll back in August, and that sort of set the parameters. And then when we pulled back again uh, just this past week. I was amazed and surprised at how the, how the numbers really hadn't changed all that much, even though our sample size is just a hair smaller than our original sample size. Uh, number two, Joe Hogsett does very well in almost all in every township. Also, uh, Joe Hogsett enjoys like almost 90% of the report support Democrats, while Jim Merritt is only about 65% of Republicans. So you also polled specifically on the issue of crime. Uh, yes, uh, on crime it was, a, it was a plurality. 40% thought the city was less safe than it was a year ago. Uh, the number of African Americans was almost 50. Uh, but for some reason, that hasn't quite been able to translate into fewer, smaller numbers uh, by the mayor. He still uh, enjoys a lot of African American support. Jennifer, what do you make of this race and also everything we've seen here over the past few days? Uh, getting kind of ugly. It certainly is, and I think all along we've said that this was Mayor Hogsett's race to lose. He is not going to lose this race, no matter what happens tomorrow night on this stage. Uh, it would be very unlikely for him to lose based on these numbers and the trend. Um, it's gotten really ugly, though, uh, with the child support accusations and the, the black agenda debate between the two candidates that is playing out in my Facebook feed uh, almost every day. It's, um, it's gotten unnecessarily rough, I think. This could have been a really above-board campaign, kind of a highbrow campaign about the issues, and now it's just gotten silly. Well, we're hoping to have a substance uh, conversation tomorrow night uh, with the candidates. What well, if anybody can have a substance conversation, my friend. It is well, you. thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. You as well. What, what are you expecting to hear from the candidates, considering everything that we've seen in the news here the past few days? What do you, what do you think it will be like here on, on well, the debate I stage? think if you're the Hawks at people, it is do no harm. It's like, hey, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully it's not a train. Just, you know, get through that 30 minutes and be done with it. I think for, for Jim Merritt, for the people who are paying attention, this is maybe like your last best great stand to do, do something to change. The dynamics. Now, I do think uh, there is a path to victory still for Jim Merritt at this late in the game, and it really depends on turnout uh, because it has to be pretty low. Pretty, yeah, pretty low. And sometimes the sometimes the reverse of unintended consequence of polls like we did is a lot of people think, oh, you know, that much of a lead is a shoe in. No point coming out and, and staying home. Let's also talk about the big story at the State House this past week. The Curtis Hill hearings. He took the stand in his own defense. A lot of ugly details that emerged here as well. Uh, Jennifer, I'll start with you. What were some of your big takeaways? Uh, it just doesn't look good for Curtis Hill. I mean, the testimony was was pretty grueling and pretty descriptive. Um, I, I I don't want to say what what might happen in this case because obviously it's it's up to uh, uh, Myra Selby, but. Um, it just didn't look good for him, and the fact that he still has his job is amazing to me. Where is this headed, Abdul? Obviously, we don't know how long it will take uh, for Myra Selby to reach a ruling here. Obviously, he, he could potentially lose his law license. Right, and so here's the thing. Uh, 
Myra Silby is not the final arbitrator of what happens. It it's could the, then go to the it, Supreme no, Court. No, see, the, right? the Indiana yeah. Supreme Court will be the, have, the, right. have the final say. And they could do, like, hey, because of your behavior, you're disbarred. Of course, I, I caution people, if this is now considered disbarment behavior, there will be a whole lot of people losing their law licenses here, here in the state of Indiana. So the question is, what is the, how do you merit out justice? You know, send a message that this behavior is not tolerable, but also you don't want to necessarily open the floodgates. They have almost any lawyers left. What I worry about is if they do a suspension of his license, because under Indiana law, you must be a licensed attorney to be attorney general. If he's suspended, the question is how long? Is right. it a day? Then you have to step down. Is it six months that you, got to, you can't be attorney general? Then we got an election. Is it right up until the state convention right. next year uh, so Republicans well, can slot somebody else into that position? Could be very interesting. We will uh, see what happens. Obviously, a lot of very interesting news uh, this past week in Washington, D.C., as well as the impeachment inquiry continues. President Trump uh, still going back and forth with Democrats. A lot of news. Thursday, we heard from Indiana Congressman Andre Carson, who told CNN that the House Intelligence Committee will likely be holding public impeachment hearings in the near future. At some point, we will have public hearings. Um, the, the extent of those hearings is, 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 has yet to be determined. But one thing is clear, the Intelligence Committee, the Oversight Committee, Foreign Affairs, we are doing our due diligence and making sure these depositions run smoothly. Now, we also heard this week from Indiana Senator Todd Young about the latest news from Syria, the president announcing what he called a permanent ceasefire, though some remain skeptical. Well, I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned from this. Uh, I thought we learned these lessons as a country when President Obama disengaged from Iraq, creating a vacuum, creating a terrorist activity in the wake of that vacuum. A lot happening uh, in Washington, D.C. Where is all of this headed, Abdul? Ah, if I knew that, uh, we'd be having this conversation in my island that I bought in the South Pacific because I would have won the, won the lottery by now. But we saw everything, the protest in the skiff this week. I mean, it was another wild week. Yeah, and I, and I think Republican, my, my Republican friends are making a mistake by attacking the process because usually if you don't have the facts, you argue the process is unfair, this should be all out in the open, this should be public. And I think that is a mistake because you never know what these people are going to say and what could possibly come out in public. Also, it's about to be public, it, apparently. It's about to be public, and that's what happened. This oh, Look, the Republicans are clinging to the last thing that they can object to, which is the process, because this week we had some pretty damning testimony from someone who is, you know, just widely regarded as a, a, a diplomat, someone who doesn't have any reason to lie, and it was pretty devastating. And more testimony to come. Meantime, with everything happening in Washington, we're also hearing this week from one of the candidates seeking to replace Congresswoman Susan Brooks in Indiana's 5th District. This week, I spoke with one of the latest candidates to enter the race, Republican Beth Henderson. A lot of people getting in this race, right? A crowded field so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're excited about it. I'm very excited about it. I, I feel like I can be a strong representative with my background, and I really do care about this district. So we're going to press on, press forward, and um, we're hearing really exciting things about my campaign. Could certainly be a very crowded primary there in the 5th District, already shaping up to be. Well, let's put it this way. The writing joke is, you know, when we talk about the 5th Congressional District, let's start with who's not running. Right. <laughs> and because, please know there's still time between now and, you know, January, February for somebody else to you know, come kind of come crawling out of the woodwork here. I, I think what's interesting going to be seen, at least on the Republican side, is do people try to out-conservative each other and then sort of cannibalize that, that sort of far-right 
more ideological base of the party, or do you find somebody who tries to be more moderate and maybe go for that part uh, of the party as well? Is this a race Democrats can win? I know Democrat Christina Hale has raised a lot of money so far. I think it absolutely is, but I think we're going to have a crowded primary as well, and I think that's good. But, uh, you know, former InFocus panelist Christina Hale seems to have the leg up right now. Okay, thank you both so much. We'll be back for winners and losers in a few minutes. But up next, we're going to hear from Indianapolis voters. What do they think about the issues that matter most in our city? Kayla Sullivan explores that question after the break. The Circle City is mourning the loss of a man who helped shape it in so many ways. P.E. McAllister passed away Wednesday at the age of 101. The World War II vet was president of McAllister Machinery. His funeral is today at the company's corporate headquarters on Southeastern Avenue. So many civic leaders, Governor Holcomb, Mayor Hogsett, expressing their condolences this week. And another reminder, our mayoral debate airs tomorrow night at 7 p.m. right here on Fox 59. This week, as we get set for tomorrow night's debate here on the west side, we're also hearing from voters across Indianapolis. Our Kayla Sullivan went out on Monument Circle to ask voters what they think. What are the biggest issues this city is facing? We also took a Twitter poll. Most people who responded said crime and public safety was the biggest issue, though others said it was roads and potholes. I've had to replace several tires so far. Other than the potholes, I would like to see more recycling initiatives. We have an old 1912 or 02 bridge up here on 21st Street. It looks like it's about ready to fall, but you know it needs to be repaired. At least I think it does. All right, something on your mind you want us to ask the candidates about, you can submit your question at fox59.com debate. And if you're out on the west side tomorrow night, the debate is open to the public here at the Chapel Hill 7th and 8th grade center on West 10th Street. Jennifer and Abdul are back right after this with this week's winners and losers. All right, let's wrap up with this week's winners and losers. Abdul. Uh, big loser, Rudy Giuliani, accidentally pocket dials an NBC reporter, says some rather incriminating things with impeachment inquiry. That doesn't help the process. Uh, big winners, Ball State University students that you and I both spoke to this week in their communications department. It was fun. Jennifer. I only have two big losses uh, this week. Uh, Elijah Cummings was laid to rest on the national stage, and then obviously Indianapolis lost to Pete McAllister. All right, we'll be here tomorrow night for the Indianapolis mayoral debate. We'll see you then.